This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Cara Thistlepoint. Hello. And we join you in a week where Newcastle have managed to embarrass and disappoint once again without even playing. I mean how is that possible Christopher? Only Newcastle. (laughs) You know how in Jurassic Park Y finds a way, Mm. Newcastle find a way. Are we going to be living in a Newcastle world? I mean, unless it changes significantly, I really hope not, because that would be a really depressing world. I mean, we've just had 2020. (laughs) Maybe this is Newcastle world. Oh my God, it's just begun. (laughs) Uh, As we said uh, last week, we would update you after the end of the transfer window. That has, of course, now closed. And, uh, well, effectively, no new arrivals in terms of the first team. Uh, which we'll get to and how disappointing that is, but <laughs> worth covering for now as uh, I'm sure you've been aware over the last week and a bit because you can't really escape this news if you follow Newcastle even at all. It's the only thing that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> and that is we are now effectively trying to live out the film goal by <laughs> quite literally signing a young Mexican striker called Santiago Munoz. You know, if this comes back in like a year or two years and he's actually this amazing striker, you will never be allowed to live it down. I will be delighted if that's the case. Personally, I will be surprised if he even makes it to the first team. He seems like he's basically just been signed. Well, I mean, A, possibly as a bit of a publicity stunt <laughs> and B, basically just to go in the reserve team. I just, mm, yeah... I, just, I, I, I don't know what, what the point is of this. I mean, I don't even know where he plays. Is he a striker? Yeah, so he's, yeah, I said he's a forward. He's, he's only 19. He's, I mean, you go on, uh, you know, uh, his Wikipedia page or a number of other sort of stat website pages talking up, you know, I mean, he's literally basically just played youth football. I mean, he's come from Santos Laguna, who I have to say are a club that I'd never heard of before. Yeah. I, I, I would be very surprised if he makes it to the first team. I mean, you know, hopefully he does. Hopefully he lives out the uh, the plot of the film goal, uh, though that would then require him to then ditch us for Real Madrid at the first opportunity. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but imagine your transfer thing. Um, I, I mean, yeah, it, it seems a bit of an odd one. It does it seem like a publicity stunt, even if you ignore the name. Uh, just like a, another way to say, look, we did sign someone. Guys, look, here he is. Look, <laughs> just wheel him out like on a little trolley and say, look, we did get something. Actually, we did have um, a... You, you wheeled him out on a trolley? <laughs> no. Um, one thing that I did actually quite like, uh, I mean, it, it's easy to be cynical about it, but I actually quite enjoyed it, was uh, Kuno Becker, the guy who played Santiago Munez in the film Goal, actually recorded a little message for Newcastle fans and, and for 
Santiago Munoz, wishing him well. And actually, I thought it was quite sweet. I know you could be cynical about it. I actually <laughs> quite liked it, I have to say. Yeah. Also, sorry, just while we're on the film goal, just before we move on to oh the more goodness. depressing yeah. real world news. Quickly pad this out quick. Sweet, holy joy. <laughs> uh, a, credit to the trailer for that film for introducing me to Kasabian and specifically the song Club Foot. But can I just say, you were very sheltered as a child. <laughs> I mean, the, the song had only been recently out before the film and I hadn't heard it yet. It had been on FIFA for ages. Yeah, I was a Pez man in those days. That's why you suck. <laughs> That's a debate for a separate time, both how much, to what extent do I suck, <laughs> uh, and the whole Pez versus FIFA thing. We're not going to get into that now, listeners, but maybe one day. But when there's, when there's even less news. <laughs> Next international break, that's what we're going to go over. Uh, and also, I just, I still find it hilarious. <laughs> you know, Hollywood ending to the film. It's not us winning the FA Cup or the league or anything like that or the Champions It's literally us beating Liverpool. He, the end of the film, spoilers for a 2005 film here, <laughs> listeners. It ends with him, I think, if I'm remembering rightly, I have seen it, but it was a long time ago, scoring a free kick again against Liverpool to get us fourth place and Champions League football. Yes, the absolute fairy tale. I of mean, a team that had already been in the Champions League multiple times in the seasons before that film came out. Okay, yeah, that's true. But today, getting into the Champions League today, that would be yeah. If the, film, if the film came out now, that would be different. Or <laughs> if it was about a different club. But literally, we played in the Champions League three or four times in the seasons that before that film came out. It's not that much of a fairy tale. I mean, fair play to them. I guess it's somewhat realistic, aside from us beating Liverpool. <laughs> But, like, come on, guys, you could have given up something. No. Anyway, <laughs> anyway back to the depression. Yeah, so um, we have been talking quite a lot about Hamza Chowdhury maybe moving to Newcastle. Unfortunately, it seems that his arrival um, just, just isn't going to occur. Transfer talks him to break down. Or it was loan talks, really. It wasn't, it wasn't transfer talks, but the loan talks broke down on deadline day, which is a right shame. I it was disappointing. That, yeah, he would have been quite a good fit for you, just a, a nice defensive midfielder, but someone who's very much willing to get stuck in. Yeah. It needs some more game time. If I'm looking on a purely Leicester front, it would it would have been a good team because, let's be honest, your defence is going to get a lot of action <laughs> and he would have seen a lot of ball if he was playing. So, Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think even if we had got him in, I would still have been quite disappointed with the transfer window. Oh, no, I'm to not, not saying... not even got him in either is even more disappointing. Yeah, I'm not saying it would have been We could good. really have done with eight, as I say, he's, he's a good player and... Bit of a no-brainer for Leicester to, to loan out to a Premier League team. I don't know what exactly caused no uh, the the loan move to fall through. Uh, I assume it's our fault because we're a terribly run club. Maybe just Mike Ashley turned up and handed them that. No. Yeah, probably. <laughs> quite possibly. But yes, yeah, so that was disappointing. But then, so ultimately, setting Munoz aside, because as I say, I don't even really count him as a first-team addition because he's literally not. Um Literally, only Joe Willock signed this summer. No no loan signings, again, apart from Munoz. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. I think getting Joe Willock on a permanent deal is a really good bit of business, and I think it's important. But ultimately, you have to say our squad is literally weaker than it was last season. Because we, what essentially what we've done is we've retained Joe Willock, yeah. and then we've just lost a bunch of players. Now, the players we've lost... None of them super, super important. I mean, Florian Lejeune, we've actually, we, he left. We actually had him out on the loan last season anyway. 
Muto, Christian Atsu, Andy Carroll, they're all gone. We've sent Matty Long, Steph Atten alone. None of them super crucial players, but all of them added bodies to the squad. And now we've lost them. We've not replaced a single one of them. I mean, we saw how thin Newcastle's squad and backups were last season. And I'm genuinely quite concerned now. If we do have something, let's say, anything like last season, or even if it's something like really unfortunate that's happened to Leicester at the moment, where we've lost a lot of our defenders, I don't know how you're going to fill them. I, I don't know how Newcastle could, in any shape or form, fill that with a, with a you know a half-decent stopgap. Yeah, I mean, we saw last season um, that, yes, we were particularly unlucky when it came to illness and injury with uh, a couple of players having quite, you know, being quite bad with COVID. And new players up front as well. Some rough injuries. I mean, yes, we were, I would say, pretty unlucky, but that can happen. It's not beyond the realms of possibility, and that is why. And it's not a once in a season, is it, either? It's not a one time every other season, like one time in a season. No, it could happen at the start and at the end. It's just one of those things. It's, it's a no-brainer to make sure you've got enough. So they don't have to be immediately first-team quality, but they have to have something about them. And you've lost a lot of players who, well, at least had experience in the Premier League. Exactly. And as you said, especially up front, if Callum Wilson gets injured, as he does sometimes do, I mean, we saw last season, you know, I think he's a great player, but he is a little bit injury-prone. And so is Sam Maximum. Yeah, and the, the only alternative up front is either Joe Winton, who we know struggles up there, and Dwight Gale, who, well, he'll have the occasional flash of a uh, bit of brilliance and get a good goal here or there, as we've said many a time on this podcast. I think he's really more of a championship player. Mm-hmm. Just just being completely honest, he'll get you 25 goals in the championship, and he's, he's shown in the Premier League he, he's probably not going to get out of single figures. So it's it's worrying and obviously to top all top all of this off, and again it just sums up Newcastle as a club because we are the only club that has to even consider doing something like this. Is the laughable <laughs> and infuriating statement from the club about our summer transfer spending and de- defending what we did in the transfer window, as I'm sure you've probably read and probably felt just as angry as I have listeners. So I'm not going to read out the whole thing, but, you know, talking about our commitment to being run in a sustainable manner uh, that apparently does not come at the expense of being ambitious and is built on the core principle that we'll spend what we have. I'll get to that in a moment. Yeah, the thing is, you are one of the... In terms of finance, obviously not anything else, in terms of finance alone, if you look at the figures, you are one of the best well-run clubs in terms of finance. But they never, ever invested in. You're just drained. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. As we've talked before, you have to speculate to accumulate, and never is that more true than in football. I mean, don't get me wrong, reckless spending, obviously, is not the way to go. But just to, I mean, the club had this whole thing about, oh, yes, you know, since the summer of 2019, we've made nine permanent signings and got five players on loan now. Net spend is about 120 million. Well, <laughs> it's just completely laughable. If you, if you, a since 2019, that's two 120 million in two years for a Premier League club. In, in what two? With the money available to clubs these transfer, days, 
Um, that's multiple transfer window. I think that's two transfer windows at a season. Obviously, I, was trying, I couldn't. I couldn't think of the word window then. I apologise. <laughs> yeah. So in fact, and, and they're including the the summer of twenty nineteen. Um, you know, so that's four or five transfer windows. To to have a spend of one hundred twenty million is actually really not anything to actually write home about. The number of players that we've offloaded to have only actually got forty million. That's not like we've sold anyone for big money. That's just a lot of players like this. And summer, we overpaid just for Perez. Was that in two thousand nineteen, or maybe that was before? I mean, possibly that's included. But I'll be I'll be honest. If it is, that's even worse because... That's a good chunk of it because we paid a lot Well, more. you paid 30, 35 for yeah. Paris. So I don't know if that includes that, but if it does, that's it, that makes it even worse. I'm looking it up. Keep going. <laughs> and again, just to put it in further perspective, uh, just to look at this summer, which is the biggest issue. I mean, you can you can easily go back to plenty of other windows, but just to look at it this summer, we've been outspent by the likes of Burnley and Brentford. We've met. We're the only Premier League team to make one signing. Again, I'm not counting Munoz. And you even look at the likes of Norwich and Crystal Palace, teams that we. It was almost certain. It was Fourth of July, nineteen to twenty nineteen. That's when we signed Perez. So basically, that forty million is almost entirely Perez, and that means we've we've scraped together about five to ten million pounds in sales in the two years since you guys got Perez oh. offers. That's shocking. Okay. And again, as I said, teams like Norwich and Crystal Palace, I'm reasonably confident that we are better off financially than them. We're certainly uh, and no disrespect to those clubs, but we're certainly bigger clubs than both of those. We have bigger fan bases. Mm. And they both spent in excess of sixty million pounds this summer. Mm. We spent 22 on Joe Willock, and that was it. Yeah, you. I mean, we're not... It's not like the fans are even asking for people bringing in, like, Grealish or anyone in that ballpark figure. But for 20 million, 22 million, you can get a decent young player, even if there's some more loans going on. At least you've got something. Because so, we know that can pay off. We, we know that that paid off for Willock. It... it Newcastle mm. and the city of Newcastle and the fans are what is really a, a massive selling point for, for the club itself. Because let's be honest, it's not exactly going to be Euro, European football, is it, at this point in time? You don't join Newcastle wanting to and expect to play in the European Cups just purely because of their track record over the last couple of years. No, I mean, so what they are... We've become the a stepping stone club, haven't we, really? Yeah, and that's... And that's Unfortunately, what you're going to have to play for at the moment. I mean, Willick's made the good decision. He knows he's going to get a lot of playtime with Newcastle. He knows he's got a, a good fan base there behind him, and it's a way for him to show off. Now, hopefully, and I, you know, hopefully for Newcastle, you know, you pick up and, and he decides, yeah, actually, I do want to stay here, despite the fact that I could get maybe some uh, a better club. I was going to say a higher club in the table to sign him. But maybe being with Newcastle and that experience is something that's going to keep him there. So why you aren't doing this with more players? Let's say Hamza Chowdhury. That would be a great opportunity to get a player who has been in and out of, of the first team for whatever club he's been in, shown that he can play, shown that he has the, the fitness and shown that he has something to offer. Yeah, he might. He's not like an, a triple A star player. But 
he's got that potential. Why not take him? And then after the year of his loan or however long it is, he might be like, do you know what? I'm going to get more playtime here and I'm going. To, this is where I'm going to play. Yeah. And then further down the line, he might say, oh, now I, now I feel good enough that I'm going to play for Wolves or something. Do you know what I mean? And I said Wolves. I'm, I'm really bad. I didn't want to say Arsenal, but then Wolves was the only team that <laughs> in my head. <laughs> but yeah, and I, as you say, um, you know, the, the statement, you know, talks about, oh, you know, not at the expense of ambition, but where is the ambition? I mean, at the end of the day, even getting Joe Willock in, at the end of the day, they've basically done that because they're banking on probably being able to sell him for double what we paid for him in a couple of years' time. Which which I think you will be able to do because, no, as you say, that's, you've become a stepping, club, stepping stone club. Yeah, but, you know, there's, there's no desire to, to climb the table. There's no desire to play better football or even just be more comfortable in avoiding relegation. As, a, as we've said many times as well, us finishing 12th and that really good run that we went on at the end of last season, as enjoyable as it was and as good as it was to get clear of the relegation zone, it's papered over so many cracks from the middle portion of that season. And another thing that really uh, annoyed me, well, I mean, the whole statement annoyed me, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bit where they talk about how, you know, uh, oh, we kept all of our key players and all the rest of it. Well, according to the Newcastle Chronicle, there weren't even any bids for Alan Sam Maximan. So it's not like you were fighting off bids to go, no, we're going to keep our players. What it was was, they decided that it would probably just be too much of a bad PR to go, let's see if we can hawk one of our good players for 30 plus million pounds. Yeah, that's the problem. Say if it was Everton, for instance, being able to hold on to some of their players, then you'd understand that. Or or Southampton. If when Southampton were in there and Liverpool nabbed all of their players, (laughs) if Southampton had managed to keep some of them, then... That would be something that is a valid reason as to why they've done well in this transfer window. But you're right. I mean, people could come in and get some maximum. He's a good player. Or Callum Wilson. He's an excellent player too. But can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, I, w- I wonder, would Mike Ashley, for £40 million, release one? Well, at some point, probably. I think possibly, for whatever reason, either they just weren't buyers this summer or they made the decision basically not to try and sell one of them to raise profit, which we apparently should be so grateful for because, you know, the club lost so much money because of COVID. So we should be grateful. We didn't, oh, just, we didn't immediately just strip, of the, strip us of all of our best players. I'm sorry, any Premier League club who keeps going on about how they lost money over COVID, they need to stop because, yes, obviously they lost some money, but they didn't lose enough for them to be struggling like this, as if struggling as if they can just, like, You've just spent twenty-two million. You know you're not struggling. If it was like a League One Championship or any of the other leagues, fair enough. That's a valid excuse. But the Premier League clubs need to just suck it up. They had all of their games on telly, every single one. You're telling me they didn't make money? That's a lie. <laughs> Pathetic one at that. Yeah. And again, just while I'm picking apart this statement again, the bit in the statement where they sort of talk about how like everyone at the club knew what the budget was going to be. That is essentially just a massive dig at Steve Bruce, which, I mean, not even to really defend Steve Bruce, but given the already pretty tenuous position he's in, certainly in terms of, you know, the way the fans feel about about him and, let's be honest, the sort of increasing toxicity around the club, as we saw, you know, with these chants of Brucey out and all the rest of it in the previous game, to then basically, and as we talked about last week, how they should 
But if you're going to keep him, sort of get behind him, they've literally kind of done the opposite. And this also just shows why Brucey being a yes man is just completely pointless because, I mean, we've seen the sort of, frankly, quite sickly praise that he's he's, mm. he's, he's put on Mike Ashley and on, on Lee Charmley in terms of, like, going, oh, you know, they did so well, they went above and beyond getting me this player and that player and all the rest of it. It's like, this is how they're going to repay you, Steve. Yeah, and what made me laugh as well is that, obviously, you're going to lean straight into the, oh, we signed Willock, though, whole thing. And earlier in the statement, they say, oh, how, how Newcastle... You know, it's, it's our policy to pay players, pay teams up front. I think those people do. Well, actually, no, that's the thing. I know. Oh, and I'm getting there. That they pay people up front. Also, it's 20 million paid up front. And then you didn't for Willock. Well, no, actually, that's the thing. All clubs don't pay up front. The way 95% of transfers work, um, without trying to get too boring into the financials here, listeners, is essentially they spread out the cost in instalments. That's how they're paid. So like if you bought someone for 50 million quid and you gave them a five-year contract, you'd, you'd then pay that club 10 million a year. Yeah. So and that's how every club, aside from Newcastle, does business. So to put it in perspective. <laughs> and so, so basically what our way of doing things is so, it's so Mike Ashley, it's basically us going, mm, I'll give you less, but I'll give you in cash right now. You know, like when you've got a bid. He's such a market salesman. I love markets. Don't get me wrong. When they just shout at you if they want stuff, you know, like, oh, I'll give it to you for this. Uh, like, actually, he's just a chav in a suit. Yeah, but literally. <laughs> he's not even good at market selling. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, literally, all clubs, aside from others, pay in instalments. I believe that is also how. Payments are received from you know like from the Premier League for TV money and all the rest of it. You don't just get a lump sum; you get it in instalments. But then you also pay out in instalments. Why do we even have this rule in the first place? Because they talk about financial sustainability. That doesn't sound very sustainable to me. And also, it, the amount of times it's bitten the club in the ass because essentially, because we, we insist on having the money up front, that then limits who you can go for. Because at any one time, you're not going to have so much money to throw a player up front because it just it doesn't make sense as I said I think it it harms the club and then to go oh yeah but we broke our own rules it's like you've set them on yourself you're we're just really really poorly run the idea that like I get being wanting to be financially sustainable that obviously is hugely important but this idea that we are somehow better on than like the way literally like every other club in the league and every other club basically around Europe works because we like we've discovered somehow this like secret better way of you know doing things yeah. like if that if that was a better way all clubs would do it. Yeah. Not only that, you'd see results, and you're not. I mean, yes, you have financial stability. Oh, that makes it so exciting in the world of football. It's not a business. And let's be honest, Mike Ashley's businesses aren't exactly anything to be uh, shone over the spotlight with, are they? Let's be honest. Certainly not the way they treat their employees, but exactly. I mean, that, that's a separate issue. But Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Let's, let's move on to the more exciting news of Newcastle versus Man United, where we all know lovely Ronaldo is going to be trotted out with his number seven shirt. And he's obviously not going to do anything against Newcastle. <laughs> 
Yeah, just when you thought the depression might have ended, uh, listeners. Yeah, Man United, Newcastle, uh, Saturday, 3 o'clock. And, yeah, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, a little bit of optimism before we get to the ways in which we're basically screwed. Um, I have to say, Man United haven't really been very good, I think, so far this season since, obviously, the great result when they thrashed Leeds on the opening weekend. The two games since then, they've, they've not been brilliant. The one-all draw with Southampton, and then, I mean, they really scraped past Wolves. Oh, yeah, no, that was a lucky, lucky goal. And I'm a bit upset that they've won because it just makes them feel really special. And, my God, is there anything worse than a Manchester United fan when they've won? <laughs> I mean, like, come on, you have a historical record of being extremely rich. Your club is extremely rich. Your players are very well paid. And yet you're still over the moon if you beat a tiny team. Come on, guys. Get some <laughs> perspective. Sorry, rant over. No, it's all right. I mean, <laughs> speaking of them beating tiny teams, uh, I mean... Obviously, as every Newcastle fan knows, our record at Old Trafford is nothing less than abysmal. Yes. We've not won there since 2013. Yes. And that was our first win in like 20 However. or 30 years <laughs> at Old Trafford. And then to top it all off, uh, yeah, Ronaldo. And he's going to be making his second debut with Screwed. It's yeah, the, narrat- the narrative on this game. Yeah, I mean, for Ronaldo, he has to score here. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it, like there's there's no way for his image he cannot score. I mean, it'd be hilarious if he didn't. I, I know, I would love it. I'm actually waiting because we all know Newcastle are going to have a penalty against them. Um, and I am waiting for one of them to fall over. You know who I'm talking about. And then I'm waiting for the inevitable fisticuffs and slap fight as to who's going to take said penalty against Newcastle. Oh, no, Ronaldo puffs out his cheeks and pulls his trousers up because for some reason shorts are restrictive so he's going to pull them tight around his really just, weird looking legs. He's just trying to show off those with... <laughs> I know, he's just trying to show them off. Not an idiot. Also, if there's a penalty, there will be no argument he will be taking it and that will not be negotiable. And yeah, as you also have probably heard or maybe even remember, listeners, Ronaldo's only hat-trick for Man United came against none other than Newcastle. Well, we can only hope it's not a hat-trick. However, I do feel he'll be wanting one, obviously, on his debut at Man United, at home. It's going to be all about him. Oh, it doesn't matter what team or when he's playing. Chris has always got to be about him. Very true. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, so looking back at Newcastle's all-time 11 wingers. Now, we're getting into the stage where now it's getting quite difficult to choose individuals because we're in the meat of the Newcastle all-time 11. So, first off, we have Solano. Yeah, Nobby Solano, um, a, a big favourite player of mine growing up, as I'm sure you remember with a lot of affection listeners, obviously played for Newcastle between 98 and 2004, and then after a sort of 18 months stint with Aston Villa, he came back and spent another two years at the club, 2005-2007. Um, and it was, actually, I was reading in preparation for this, that actually apparently it was Alan Shearer who actually played a major role in getting him to come back to the club, uh, which I think shows the kind of regard he was held in by Shearer. And it's no wonder, to be honest, because... It was an excellent crosser of the ball, one of the best in the Premier League, so somebody who would play perfectly with Shearer. Yeah, the amount of times uh, he probably planted a perfect cross on Shearer's head, and then, of course, I imagine most of them went in the back of the net. Well, in fact, just just on the numbers, uh, I mean, he scored 48 goals and got 78 assists in 315 games for the club. 
Um, yeah, player I'd, I had a lot of time for. Obviously, huge favourite with the fans. Uh, as we know, he became known as the Peruvian Geordie. And some <laughs> fantastic think, goals. I can't think of that as a, as a mix. <laughs> <laughs> From deepest, darkest Peru. <laughs> but yeah, just honestly, listeners, uh, just to... If you're not familiar with him or if you just want to relive it and just have a really good time, just go on YouTube, have a look at some of his goals for Newcastle. Some absolute stunners in there. He was a big fan of a goal from outside the box. Great free kick taker as well. And I think the, the goal that always stood out for me, uh, which I, I always go back to when I think of Novi Solana, was that one against Everton with the outside of his right foot, edge of the area, just an absolutely delightful finish, delightful player, and and quite a gent as well, I have to say. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I think he, I think he loved the club, and we certainly loved him back. So, to be honest, for, for me, he was the obvious choice actually at right wing. And then, from one sort of club legend to another, uh, Chris Waddle, uh, playing on the left, narrowly, narrowly just beating out David Chinoy, uh who I will give a bit of a shout out to afterwards, but. Chrissy Waddle, I mean, I mean, they called him uh, magic player, and I have to say that was apt. Honestly, one of the best players in Europe during his prime, uh, and an England legend as well. It must be said, um, which even though the bulk of his England career sort of came after he left Newcastle, uh, played for Newcastle, of course, in in nineteen eighty to nineteen eighty five. You know, I think it's nice having, and we'll get to another England legend, no prizes for guessing who, uh, in a couple of weeks when we get to the strikers. But (laughs) I think it's nice to have someone who was so good for club and country, you know, beloved by England fans as well as Newcastle fans. Yeah, and, you know, impressive, impressive goal haul there, 52 goals in 191 games. And also signed for only £1,000, showing the excellent financial capabilities of Newcastle. <laughs> hey, that was a lot of money in 1980. That was a lot of money. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> famously... Ashley pays his work. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, famously signed for the club uh, while still working at a sausage factory. <laughs> I mean, there's worse jobs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, you know, is, is fantastic. Obviously, what a mullet, it has to be said as well. <laughs> Back in the day. <laughs> but yeah, just you know, really sort of creative winger, as you can see, pretty good goal scoring record. One in, well, just better than one in four, which I think for a, a wide player is a, a pretty good return by most player standards. Uh, yeah, magic with the ball at his feet. Um, so yeah, Nobby Solano and Chrissy Waddle. Uh, but yeah, big shout out, as I say, Waddle only just beating David Genoa, um, mainly because. She not only spent a couple of seasons on Tyneside, so ultimately he didn't quite make it in. But you have to say, I mean, for a player who only spent two seasons at Newcastle, what an impact he had. Yeah, I also like that you've put there because he's ridiculous in Hanson. I mean, the man is, was, and continues to be <laughs> ridiculously handsome. And combine that with just, just ridiculous skill. Um, we can do with that. Just such now, an exciting the, player to watch. On the Newcastle calendar, it's very depressing. <laughs> David Ginola in his prime. In fact, I'm going to get. I'm going to show you a picture. We're going to have oh, this live live reaction. Live reaction here on the podcast, listeners. I'm going to get pictures of David Ginola up, and we'll get a live reaction to the sexy it's, Frenchman. It's going to be worse for you. A very 
Very sexy Frenchman he indeed. He's a very sexy Frenchman, yeah. There we go. See, live reaction there, listeners. And, uh, you know, a bit older now, of course, but still a bit of a silver fox, it has to be said. Um, <laughs> Even your elder men. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, yeah, we're making good progress, I think, on the uh, all-time 11 now. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we should be able to make this in FIFA. Cool. They do uh, sometimes get the legends. I think David Genoa has been, uh, Alan Shearer definitely has been at times. Yeah. I know I it's think a shame. Which will like, for the rest of the players. I, know, I, just, I do think it would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we'll move on to the um, sort of central midfielders next week. And then basically it's just the strikers. I, think. I wonder who we'll choose there. Yeah. So, so far, Jonathan, just give us a quick rundown of the all time 11. Yeah, another quick recap. So, uh, obviously, manager Kevin Keegan. Goalkeeper Shea Given. Defenders, we've got Bill McCracken, Frank Hudsbeth, Bobby Bonker, and Philippe Albert. And then wide players, we've got Nobby Solano on the right and Chris Waddle on the left. But yeah, so we'll see you next time after what I'm sure will be a brilliant result against Manchester United. Until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara, and thanks again, listeners. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.